Hi there, everybody. This is Kerry Tennis. It's Thursday, August 13th, 2020, and I'm uh, making this podcast here in Castiglione, Fiorentino, Italy. And uh, today, the subject of the advice column is about, well, in particular, an absent father, but more generally, it's about how we can be haunted by the absence of something that we think is was necessary or something that we needed in childhood and spend our lives looking for it, not even realizing that we're looking for it so that we're mistaking people for as if they were ghosts of something we wanted in childhood. And it's something that I have some experience with. And so that's what the column is about. But before I get to that, I I just want to say a few things in general about the unconscious and how I I think we underestimate its power, you know. And maybe that's because there's been so much popular knowledge promulgated about the so-called unconscious, you know, and we think that we know what it is because it's, it's this sort of uh, interesting and strange phenomenon. But we... Um, I think a lot of people don't realize just how powerful it is when we're in the grip of something unconscious. The whole idea being when it's unconscious, you don't know that it's there, okay? I mean, you can read books about other people and how the unconscious plays out in their lives. But when you yourself are in the grip of an obsession or a belief, you don't know that it's because something happened years ago that put you on this course. It's as though you're enacting the wishes of of an utter stranger. And I really, I like to say that these early experiences, early pain, early losses are are cloaked and around them is a, a field of distortion so that we literally cannot see them. And that's for our own good because certain threats to us as children. They're threats to our very existence. They happen before we have differentiated ourselves. And so really our inability to to see and to refeel these things is self-protective. I say all these things, of course, not as a trained professional. I'm nothing of the sort. I have no degrees in psychology or anything like that. And so it's a little weird, I know, for a person like me to be opining on such matters, but I do so in the old tradition of writers before there were professional categories of psychoanalysts and psychiatrists and psychotherapists, but there were writers, people who looked at the human condition and gave their best shot. So I fully respect the uh, professional ranks, and I've been helped by professionals, psychotherapists, um, psychiatrists, lay uh, people, as well as many people in the uh, 12-step world who act as voluntary uh, sages, sponsors, or just who lend an ear when it's needed. And sometimes it scares me, my writing, especially today. I am suggesting concrete things for this person to do, to maybe figure out in what way exactly she is uh, mistaking people for her father, which is, is actually literally what I mean, that we in some way 
wish that a person would enact the role of a brother or a father or some other figure. We really do that, I think. So here's today's column, and uh, I've titled it, um, How Do I Find the Father Within? Dear Carrie, I didn't know who my father was until I was 44. The, quote, father I had was a man who married my mother when I was two and adopted me when I was six. I found out at age 14 that he wasn't my father, but my mom still didn't tell me about the real one. She made up yet another story, and that was all I had until age 44. The man I now refer to as my stepfather, although legally he was my father, was a cruel, abusive man who made all our lives hellish. I last saw him when I was 20. I went to the houseboat he had built with his new wife, he'd been married five times, to tell him about Jesus. I never saw him again and have spent years in therapy trying to get my mind free of the things he said and did. My mother and sister say my actual father drank too much and could be abusive. He later, he, the actual father, later told a friend of 30 years that he had messed up with my mother and that he wished he'd had a relationship with me. His friend's wife said she thought he was ashamed, so he never reached out and I grew up not knowing about him. My mom cooked up an elaborate series of lies about who my father was. And when this came out, all she said was, I didn't want him to be your father. In the years since, she says, I've done lots of genealogical research on him and found out some interesting and sad stories that helped me understand some of who he seemed to be. He married my mother after she got pregnant with me, but neither of them wanted to be married and it only lasted six months. So now I'm 55 and I still want a father. I joke that my mother needs are filled by my therapist and that I just need a male therapist to take care of my father longing. But my question is, how do I find a father? Not an actual one, I don't think, but how can I learn to function as a good father to myself? What would that even mean? What do I do with this long absence of a father? I think I look for one in every man I've dated or been close friends with. Signed, Hannah. Dear Hannah. You don't get to pick your father, of course. But what if you did? Whom would you pick? What characteristics would he have? What would you want or need from a father if you could pick one? What would he do? Would you feel pride and admiration standing next to him? How would he introduce you to others? How would he be seen by others? Would he be admired for his manner, his kindness and strength, his competence, reliability, openness, his sense of humor? I suggest you perform some guided imaginings of this ideal father. I suggest set a timer for maybe 15 minutes, or maybe less, maybe five or 10 minutes, depending. But set a limit on it and just meditate on it. Here's some suggestions for that meditation. Revisit incidents in your life in which your father was absent and imagine them with 
this ideal father present, how would that feel? Let symbols of fatherhood rise in your mind and sink into the unconscious like rainwater filtering down to the aquifer. Do you have a male friend who is himself a father with daughters? Talk to him about his experiences as a father. You mentioned your therapist in jest, but consulting a male therapist might actually help. The simple truth is you don't get to pick your father, but you can fashion within yourself a father figure who can guide you and protect you. Can you father yourself? I think so. I think there is a part of you capable of the care and wisdom that you need and did not receive from a father as a child. I think there is a way to get there. Of course, it won't happen overnight. But there are ways to inch toward it, and that's why I suggest some of these techniques. The overall aim, and this is where, you know, I talk about the unconscious and how I understand it, and this is very intuitive. I Again, I don't pretend to have any professional or academic knowledge about this. But I, I am saying that the aim of these techniques is to make your unconscious feelings conscious. This may be hard, and it may involve emotional pain. And that's why I suggest you limit these sessions in time. I do have some relevant personal experience exploring painful memories, and it has led me to the belief that the human unconscious is like a beast that cannot be tamed or controlled, but we can learn from it. Feelings lodged in the unconscious are hard to find and understand. I think this is because to animate them, which is mostly fictional, but they hide these feelings themselves to attribute to them volition, they form a field of distortion around themselves so that we cannot even see them. And to even look at them is painful, so it's tempting to look away. And you will have to work through that. Not only must you face the pain, you must face the fact that old hurts, they cloak themselves in other emotions, emotions that we think are ours. And they do this for our protection, but in the end, it doesn't help. The old pain must be unmasked and felt. This will take time, but it'll be worth it. This is a major theme of your life, a big force that drives you. If you can learn how the absent or ineffective father has affected your adult life, if you can go through the pain yourself, you can attain the wisdom that is cloaked behind the pain. And then with this practical knowledge, you yourself be, can become more useful as a person. You can help others. And I don't mean as a therapist. I just mean as a person in the world, in the sphere of your own family, friends, acquaintances. You can be a person 
who knows about this particular thing because you yourself have dealt with it. This thing of not having had an effective father, a present father, and having found within yourself the tools or the resources you need to be a sort of father to yourself. And if you are such a person, others you may find will turn to you. And helping others is an end in itself, as a satisfaction in itself. And strangely enough, in this context, helping others is also an enactment of that essential father function that you seek, that you don't have in yourself, to help, instruct, protect, to guide, these things that fathers do in the ideal. So in doing this, in encountering your own fatherless nature and learning to nurture a father within, you are in essence, you are fathering yourself. But you've got to go through this pain and loss. And once you go through that, you can guide others through it. And then you're ready. You're ready for the moment when someone else needs just that kind of help that you can provide and seeks you out. And if you help just one person in that way, if only one time even you offer a piece of relevant advice to someone who has a problem or a perplexity similar to yours, then you then have been useful in the world and you're like that sage we meet on the road when we're confused or that wise beggar or stranger who provides vital direction to someone at the very moment it's needed. And that makes your quest for self-knowledge worth the pain and fear because it's not selfish. Your growth transforms your pain and fear into something of value to others and thus confers upon you the value and esteem you deserve and were not given by a father, but you can attain this thing you can reach, you can find it, you can fall into it. Before I go, I just have to relay some news I just received, and that is that my uh, longtime mentor and friend, Pat Schneider, originator of the Amherst Writers and Artists Method and a, a teacher to thousands and thousands of people and a real positive force in the lives of many writers, uh, died yesterday. And uh, I feel now that the way to, to honor her, uh, her memory is for me to continue doing the Amherst Writers and Artists workshops and just to, to carry on her her work, which uh, she so brilliantly described in that book, uh, Writing Alone and with Others. So that's uh, sort of a sad note to end on, but I feel privileged and very happy to have known her and all the many people who've benefited from her work and that book. And the workshops, every time I lead a Amherst Writers and Artists workshop, her spirit is there. So 
she's left the world with an invaluable gift and it's available to all of us. And if you haven't ever done such a workshop, the way it opens up the imagination and the feelings, uh, it's really a spectacular experience. So I urge you to take a look. Um, and that's it for this week. I'll see you next week. Ciao. And take care, you know, because I know uh, this is a crazy time in America. Now hang in there. We'll get through it. Ciao.